Welcome to Tech Talk Online, sponsored by Stratford University. You can listen to Tech Talk Live Saturday mornings from 9 till 10. Find us online at federalnewsradio.com or hear us on the radio in the Washington, D.C. area on the following frequencies, 1500 AM and 1039 FM HD 2. We thank you for listening to Tech Talk Radio. Interfacing complete. Please stand by. Now downloading Tech Talk Radio with Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Tech Talk Radio, it's technology you can understand. And now here are Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. I'm Dr. Richard Schertz. And I'm Jim Russ. Well, lots of stuff going on in technology as always. The latest type of fireworks is now done with drones. Really? Especially in areas where there are forest fires. Okay. Uh, is your smartphone spying on you? Of course it is. They've been some doing some research to see which apps are spying on you and what they're doing with that information. Elon Musk is going to send some help to those uh, to that soccer team that's trapped in a cave in Thailand. He's sending some of the folks from his boring company over there to ah, help okay. out. And the Splinternet is here to stay. We had the internet, but now it's breaking up into the Splinternet and becoming vulcanized. And IBM is sending a real-life robot to the International Space Station. So maybe we have a replay of what happened in 2001 with Hal. And this week we're going to feature Alfred J. Gross. Alfred J. Gross, he was the founding father of wireless communication. He invented uh, a version of the walkie-talkie, Citizens Band Radio, the telephone pager, and the cordless telephone. And, of course, it was a huge, huge mailbag. There's a letter in your mailbox. Yes, we have an email from Mary Lane. Hello. <laughs> it's a very formal kind of... Hello. Uh, hello, yes. Hello. It's a very... Oh, this is why it's so thick. I've got two copies of the show here. Well, maybe we could just stay for two hours today. Exactly. We could just do it twice. Uh, how many, how I'm a novice. Print out, print out. I'm a novice with cell phones. I've just I've got a Peugeot go, go plan and an old flip phone. My parents in their 80s recently bought a 2018 Accord EX. The salesman recommended that they get their cell phone linked up to the car so that if they get an accident, it will automatically call 911 through Honda Link. They, too, have a flip phone. <laughs> Oh, and a pay-as-you-go plan. And I told them I'd look into this. Uh, you know, Now, if the carrier will let us have a friends and family plan, maybe we could put something together. But I thought I would call and ask about your advice. My parents live in Fredericksburg. And what are our economic issues as far as this is concerned? Thanks and advice. I enjoy your radio show uh, when I remember to tune it in. <laughs> Mary, 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 set the alarm, please. Set the alarm. Okay, let's talk about Honda Link. Now, Honda Link is an application that you download and install on your smartphone. Now, it's available for both iPhones as well as Android phones. <clears throat> so, your phone has to support the application, and most phones do. But when I go to the Honda Link website, it says not all phones do. Huh. And I couldn't find a list of which ones don't, but I'm thinking most Android and iPhones will support it. Now, the application, it supports navigation, music streaming, and emergency services. 
Now, the nice thing is it supports CarPlay and Android Auto, which means that <clears throat> native apps in the iPhone, like for navigation, or native apps in your Android phone, like navigation or streaming music and all, will actually be integrated right into the uh, car's multimedia system. And so it means you don't, what Honda says, you don't have to buy an expensive multimedia system because we're integrated with your, with your cell phone. Now, this is the deal, the emergency service option. It's a monthly subscription if you want the, you know, this automatic dial into somebody. It's a three-month trial, but then after that, you've got to pay a monthly fee to, to, to have that service. Now, most cars, I have to say, have a satellite link for this, like, like OnStar. If you crash, it dials in, and there's a satellite link in the car. So a lot of the uh, major car vendors have satellite links in the cars, and they have uh, this emergency service that you can subscribe to, but you don't have to have a cell phone. It just goes up through the satellite. Well, apparently, Honda is trying to cut out the cost of the satellite link, so they want to just make the call through your cell phone, and so hopefully you'd have adequate cell phone connection. Now, you know, it's, um, you know, if you want to do this, I mean, it's going to be a lot of work for your parents if they're used to flip phones because you're going to have to attach the phone to the, um, you know, you're going to have to link it through Bluetooth. They'll have to have the phone on when they go in. I think you could get that all set up for them. And then you would have to subscribe to the service. So they'd have to set up an account with Honda Link, and they'd have to subscribe to the service, and then, then they would get it. But if you're going to go to all the trouble of setting all of that up, you might as well take advantage of the navigation and have them, you know, download, you know, get, download the navigation apps and they could stream music and they could actually, I think, use the phone for a lot of things other than just the emergency phone call. Now, it sounds like you're not big phone users, but I would say you could probably upgrade from the old flip phone uh, and, and do quite well. So I would go, first of all, you want a prepaid service. You don't want to get one of these full-blown plans because they're pretty expensive and all the carriers have prepaid services you and you're not going to use a lot of data i don't believe now if you start doing navigation you'll use a little bit of data if you start streaming music over you know you know start streaming music through pandora it doesn't sound like you're really a pandora user either but if you start using that you use a little bit of data but probably not not a lot of data, but you can get a prepaid plan with, with relatively low data caps, and it won't be that much money. Verizon, ATT, all the major carriers have it. Also, Walmart's got Smart Talk, and you can pick up and you can go with, uh, with any carrier, and it's not, it's, not a bad, uh, it's not a bad program. Then Google has Google Fi, which is, which, is a, which is really a very good program. It's basically pay-as-you-go, but you have to have one of the Google devices. You will have to buy the phone, but... Don't get one of the latest phones. Get uh, get an older phone. Get you don't you don't really need a lot of memory. So I think you know you could get a phone, probably for easily less than a hundred dollars each, and then and then you'd get on the prepaid plan. But I'm just thinking your parent. This may, may even be too complicated for your parents to sort of manage. But mm -hmm. it's uh, it's it's an interesting um, it's an interesting thought, and I think it's worth it's worth pursuing. a try. It's worth a try, and they may really enjoy. Having their having their cell phone there because now once you're integrated to the Honda uh, uh, Honda uh, Link, you can actually use Siri and you can use voice recognition. You could talk to your phone and give it commands, and so we could bring them into 
the you know the 21st century well, with this. You know, a few years ago, you had the uh, the Tech Talk listener dinner. Yeah, it was nice. We got yeah. a chance to meet some of our listeners, and it was <laughs> it was interesting to see how many older people were there who were plugged into technology, and they had their iPhones, and they were talking about how to use them. And so it's it's possible for for older folks to I I really get think, in tune with this. I really think it is, and there there's so many nice features, and the navigation feature is really fantastic mm-hmm. uh, for. Because, it, you know, it's crowdsourced, there's a crash, it'll automatically route you around the crash. So I, I think there's a, a lot to be said for it other than just the automatic emergency service. Right. So we got an email from Tom Shum. When are quantum, when quantum computers start mining Bitcoin, Bitcoin, what will happen to the value of Bitcoin, Tom Shum? Well, okay, that's an interesting uh, concept. You know, quantum computers would be very fast. They could actually uh, validate a block very quickly. And now what it is is the Bitcoin algorithm releases uh, Bitcoins at a certain rate. Ba- and, the, and, and so if you, um, if you start computing faster and faster and faster, it's not going to release the Bitcoins any faster than, than, than the programmed rate. And, and ultimately, only 21 million Bitcoins will be released. Right now, I think around 14 million Bitcoins have been released, and then they'll hit the cap. Now... What happens is that these miners who validate each block that's added, the first miner to validate it gets paid in Bitcoin. So you got you, you got to be got to win the race. It's a horse race, and so it's the guys with the with the biggest machines who win the horse race. So what's going to happen? Somebody gets a um, quantum computer going. It's going to be pretty expensive to operate, but he'll win that horse race. But he wins Bitcoin. He'll he'll get the same Bitcoin. And so it's not clear whether the cost of that machine is going to be is going to warrant the the cost of the bitcoin that he gets. But here is the bigger problem that you didn't allude to. Once we get quantum computing, the entire encryption methodology which is used on the internet will fail because you'll be able to crack any of the encryption codes with quantum computing. So it, rather than worrying about uh, the value of Bitcoin, you should worry about whether Bitcoin, in fact, will survive with quantum computing. Because the basic concept of secure transactions all encrypted, all of a sudden the encryption is broken. And in fact, it will break even the core encryption on the Internet. And so now people are working at post-quantum encryption methods that that will work. That's the real problem. And that, in fact, would threaten all the cryptocurrencies. We got an email from Hawk in Bowie, Maryland. Dear Doc and Jim, I have a problem with my cell phone. When somebody calls me, it goes immediately to voicemail. Hmm. And then they call again, and the call comes right through. It rings properly. I've got an iPhone 7. Is there something wrong with my, you know, my carrier? It's Verizon, or is, it, or is my phone broken? What's, what's going on? Enjoy the podcast, Hawk in Maryland. Well, Hawk, I would suspect that you have the Do Not Disturb feature turned on. Now, what the Do Not Disturb feature does, when a phone call comes in, you can configure it so that the call will go immediately to voicemail to not disturb you. And then you can further configure it that if the same person calls back within three minutes, it'll come right through. So it sounds to me like you've got the Do Not Disturb feature, throwing it to voicemail for the first call, and it goes through right on the second call. Now, this do not disturb feature is really a nice, uh, you know, a nice item. And you can, you can actually configure it by going to settings, then scroll down to do not disturb. Now, you've got a number of choices. 
you can actually uh, say, do not, you know, these calls that go straight to voicemail, you can say, send everyone to voicemail. You could send, you could say, send no one to voicemail first, or you could say, send only my non-friends to voicemail and let my friends come right through. So you have three choices on that, and probably you're set up where you're just sending everybody to voicemail. If you got people that are on your contact list that are that are going to voicemail, you can also do something like you can say automatically enable do not disturb when I'm driving. And so, so if you hook it up to your car's Bluetooth and you start moving, it will automatically go into do not disturb. And then you can click another option that says, while I'm in do not disturb and driving, respond to all text messages and say I'm driving now. I'll read your text message when I arrive at my destination, and that's automatically sent. So that's a nice feature. Now, if you want to check whether Do Not Disturb is on, you can look at the top edge of the phone. There'll be like you'll see like a half moon. If you see the half moon, that means it's Do Not Disturb because usually people—it's quarter moon actually. Usually people don't want to be disturbed at night. So to turn off Do Not Disturb, you just swipe from the bottom and bring up that screen, and in the middle there'll be that quarter moon. You just touch it, then you can turn it on and off. And so I hope that fixes your problem because that's a that's a common problem, by the way. I saw a lot of threads on the Internet where people were talking about that, and they're always hung up with this do not disturb. We got an email from John in Kansas. Dear Tech Talk, I'd like to plug my laptop in, in while I'm traveling in my car. Hopefully, John, you're not driving. You've got somebody else driving. You'd like to plug in the laptop. What are my best options? The only power in the car are cigarette lighters and USB ports, and no place to plug in my show. Well, uh, John, your uh, your car runs on DC. That would be direct current, not District of Columbia. <laughs> DC, it runs on direct current, and your laptop charger needs AC or alternating current. So what do you do? You can convert DC to AC using what's called a power inverter. These are handy devices. Yes, and that allows standard electronics and appliances to run off your car battery. You can plug a convert inverter into your 12-volt cigarette lighter, and that's enough to charge the laptop or a few pieces of stereo equipment, about anything around 200 watts. Your cigarette lighter will only carry about 200 watts. If you do try to use more than 200 watts out of your cigarette lighter, you, you'll, you'll actually blow the fuse uh-huh. to, the, to the cigarette lighter, and then, then you'll have to change the fuse. That'll be a whole other problem. Now, to give you an idea of, of how much power things need, say a high-speed phone charger around 15 watts. That'd be a super high-speed phone charger. A laptop is 45 to 90 watts, so that's actually within the 200-watt limit. A game console is 150 watts. Television is... 80 to 400 watts. So I guess you you could get a, you could get a small TV set and plug it in and be under 200 watts. If you want to have a mini fridge, that's around 40 watts. Really? If, if you want to have a microwave, that would be 900 to 1500 watts. That kind of gives you a range. I don't. I, you know, I can't imagine you up, you know, putting in a mini fridge, a microwave, and a TV set well, in your car. Hey, why not give it a shot? That's right. Um, I yeah. ha- I actually have run power tools off of mine. Oh, nice. So you must, you must have a pretty hefty one then. It's, uh, it's okay. It was from the now defunct Radio Shack. I see. Well, okay, I'm going to give you four options here, or three options here for your inverter. Here's a cigarette lighter inverter. The, the B-Stec, B-E-S-T-E-K, 200-watt cup portable. It actually looks like a cup. It fits into your coffee cup Huh. area, and you plug it into the cigarette lighter, and on the top of it, it's got two regular plugs 
and two USB ports, and it's 200 watts. And you, and you, so that's very convenient. Like if, if you go to somebody else's car, you just you just put this inverter, you just put it in the in, in the coffee cup holder, and plug it into their cigarette lighter. And then, and then it's got a, also a cigarette lighter uh, uh, port at the top too, in case you still need a cigarette lighter port for something. And that and that only costs thirty bucks. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's probably the you know you don't have to make any modifications. Now, if you want more wattage, okay, because you know, two hundred watts is not enough because well you want to run a, a TV, okay. So there, here's a seven hundred and fifty watt unit by Potek P O T E K. It's only forty six dollars. Now it has two ways to plug it in. You could plug it into the cigarette lighter and you have one hundred and fifty watts, but they're also Two, uh, there's also power cords that allow you to connect it directly to your battery and then run the power cord uh-huh. back. And if you hook it directly to the car battery, you can get 750 watts. Huh. And that's big enough, you know, to, to power up your TV. <laughs> your TV, you know, you got a game console going, you got a microwave. Well, no, microwave's 1,500 watts. Yeah. Okay, if you really want to go for the big stuff, you know, the 1,500 watt, there's the Krieger KR1500. And uh, and that's a K R I E G E R, and that's one hundred and forty dollars. That's a heavy duty model. Now it's designed to be what it does. It 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 basically it's a it's a pack that screws onto the onto the onto the wall of your compartment there, and it's got two plugs in it, and it's got cables that direct. It's got cables that go directly connected to your battery. So this is like in, actually installed mm-hmm. in your car, and then you've got a couple of plugs there. And you've got fifteen hundred watts, so you, you you could have a whole kitchen operating there. And but I'm thinking this first one, this cigarette lighter inverter for thirty bucks, is probably your best. Probably bet. best bet. We got an email from Judy in Richmond, dear Tech Talk. I'm thinking of purchasing a Wi-Fi camera for my house, but I'm worried that they may not be secure and that someone could be could hack into it and access the video in my house and just see what's going on. Am I being too paranoid? Or are these cameras secure? Great question. Love the show, Judy in, Rich- in Richmond. Well, there are two types of Wi-Fi-enabled security cameras out there. You got the traditional IP camera, IP network cameras, and we got the modern smart cameras like Alphabet's Nest Cam or Amazon's Cloud Cam. Now, most of the stories you see online about insecure cameras are IP cameras. These are simply security cameras that connect to the network over Wi-Fi or an, or an Ethernet connection. And people just don't set them up right. What they do, they leave them configured with the default username and password. And then people go in, and they've got bots that log into these things. In fact, there's a website that has 73,000 unsecured IP cameras in 256 countries. Wow. So you can go onto that website, and you can just look at stuff all over the world if you want, you know, stuff that... Probably people would not like you seeing. Now, most of the webcams are just like of parking lots and all where people don't care about it. But some of the webcams are inside people's houses, and they just don't know that they're not secure. Now, <clears throat> those do have security issues because if anybody breaks into them thing, they don't, they don't have two-factor authentication. Those standalone IP cameras, they don't really have security updates. Very, They never have security updates. So they are there there are issues with those if you're really worried about security so the modern security cameras like alphabet's nest cam or amazon's cloud cam or netgear's allo are different than ip cams they're designed for for the smart home devices 
So instead of providing a dumb web, a dumb web interface that's configured with the default username and password, and you just hook it onto the hook it onto the internet, these these are these are basically configured to use an online account. So what you have to do is you've got to create an online account with either Amazon or Nest, and all the videos go to that online account. Nobody else can access them. They just go straight to that online account. And you configure the account to have two-factor authentication. So even if an attacker knows your password, they can't view your camera because you'll get an email with a security code. You got to put, an, or you'll get a text message with a security code. So you have to have a control of your email account or of your of your phone, and you put in that secondary security account, uh, number into the into the um, into the box there, and then you can you can log in. So that is much much more secure. So I'd say in your case, you should get one of the smart cameras that that attach to the cloud. The other nice thing is that, you know, all the video is stored on the cloud, so you have, you have access to it. So this is the thing. Um, here's the, here, here's the, so you want to buy a smart security camera, not an IP camera. You want to get a camera from a trustworthy brand like Nest or Amazon or Netgear. There's some really cheap ones out there that, that are made in China. I wouldn't really trust them. Get, get it from a good, reputable company. Use a strong password when you create your online account. And finally, enable two-factor authentication so that you, you know, even if they guess your password, they can't get in. If you do all these things, you're going to be pretty secure. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu. We'll get back to you at the next show. If there's an emergency, we'll call you immediately. It's Saturday morning. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio on 1500 AM, 103.5 FM HD 2, 103.9 FM HD 2. You can watch us do the program by following us on uh, Periscope. Download the Periscope app to your device and then follow us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio presented by Stratford University coming up in a moment. Ready to make a real difference in 2018? A degree in cybersecurity, digital forensics, or networking and telecommunications could help you secure your future as you help secure the world. Stratford University is now enrolling for 2018. Classes start January 8th with career-focused IT degree programs to fit your busy schedule on campus and online. Let Stratford's experienced IT faculty share their industry knowledge and practical solutions to help you succeed in one of today's most sought-after fields with accelerated classes and year-round program starts to help you earn your degree faster. Register today at stratford.edu slash 2018. That's stratford.edu slash 2018, where you'll also find details on Stratford's limited-time $15,000 IT scholarship competition to help you achieve your degree goals. Get complete information now at stratford.edu slash 2018. Stratford University, changing lives one student at a time. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. And now it is time for... Profiles in IT. Yes. Today we're going to feature Alfred J. Gross. Alfred J. Gross. Gross. Alfred J. Gross 
is the founding father of wireless communications. He invented an early version of the walkie-talkie, the Citizens Band radio, Hmm. the telephone pager, and the cordless telephone. Wow. Gross was born in Toronto, Canada, February 22nd, 1918. He's the son of a Romanian immigrant, and he grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. So I guess just right across the border there. Mm-hmm. In 1927, he became fascinated with everything wireless. When at age nine, his parents took him on a cruise on Lake Erie, and he was wandering around through the ship, and he stumbled into the uh, the radio room. And the ship's radio operator let him listen in on the communication, and he was absolutely fascinated. And so he started just tinkering with, uh, you know, radios. At age 12... He scrounged parts from a junkyard, and he cobbled together a ham radio system in his basement. Wow. I mean, the whole basement was just filled with electronics. At 16, he earned his amateur operator's license, and and his original call sign, which he kept his whole life, was W8PAL. And he kept that his whole life. But he was really interested in high-frequency in the high-frequency spectrum, that what frequencies above 100 megahertz. See, all the um, ham radios are operating at a much lower frequency than that. He says, I wonder what's going on at that high-frequency area. He was just fascinated with, with high frequencies. And so he started working on high-frequency devices. In 1938, he developed a portable high-frequency radio with two-way communications. And it was... Uh, <clears throat> nobody had ever had operated a radio in, in this high-frequency band. And... Uh, and he wanted just to, uh, you know, what it was, you know, being a ham radio operator, he sits in his basement and talks to people, but he'd like to kind of walk around and talk to his friends. So he wanted to talk while he was walking. So he said, well, why don't I make a walkie-talkie? And so he, and so he gave a few of these out to his friends, and, um, and the thing worked. He, they could communicate with each other over, up, up to about 30 miles, <laughs> at, you know, at, the, at, this, at this frequency. Now, this device caught the attention of the U.S. Office of Strategic Research. No, of Strategic Systems, OSS. That was the precursor to the CIA. And they recruited him to to develop a two-way air-to-ground radio system for covert use by the troops behind enemy lines. See, what they wanted to do, they wanted to send troops behind enemy lines. They wanted them to report the location of targets to be bombed, and then the planes would come up and bomb the targets, and they didn't want their communications to be intercepted. And so that, that's and so they said, we've got to do something like that. And so he created this technology for the, for the military. They actually made him a captain when they, 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 they brought him into the military, and it, and it was actually an extremely successful program. The Joint Chiefs of Staff praised Mr. Gross' project as having ranked among the Allies' most successful wireless intelligent gathering operations. See, the beauty of it is the enemy could not, had no radios operating above 100 megahertz. So they were, the, the, the enemy had no idea that they were communicating in that band, and so they didn't even have to encrypt anything. They just talked freely, and nothing could be intercepted. But it was all based on the fact that it was a top-secret uh, program. So after the war... Uh, Gross uh, demonstrated his walkie-talkie to the Federal Communications Commission, FCC. And they said, wow, that's pretty interesting. 
And they, after they saw his walkie-talkie in operation, they allocated the first frequencies for the Citizen Band radio service. And that was in 1946. That was right after the war. And so they created the CB radio bands, which were basically unlicensed bands. That Because before that, all the bands were licensed and you know, they had very narrow bands, and so you, you just couldn't have citizens just talking over the radio. So they, they, they basically set up the CB radio bands for this kind of walkie-talkie application. And um, he embraced this citizen band radio all the way, so he became a big CB radio operator. And his, his, his uh, CB handle was Wiebelfetzer. Now, Wiebelfetzer, this is V-E-B-L-E-F-E-T-Z-E-R, Wiebelfetzer. Now, I said, now, what is a Wiebelfetzer? So I looked it up, and Wiebelfetzer is a word used to facetiously, facetiously as a placeholder name for any kind of obscure or complicated object or mechanism, especially in auto repair. So like you, you say, well, it looks like the Wiebelfetzer is broken. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to replace your Wiebelfitzer. So this would be like an auto repair man. Uh-huh. He doesn't know. He doesn't have a clue what's wrong. Well, it looks like your Wiebelfitzer has been clogged, and I'm going to have to clean that Wiebelfitzer. So, so, uh, so I, I think he was a tinkering guy. So he probably had a lot of Wiebelfitzers around in his basement. <laughs> <laughs> so he formed the Gross Electronics Company. Now I'm thinking there's a probably a better name for that. Probably. You know, yes. I'm thinking this is he. You know. Yeah, buy your electronics from the Gross Electronics Company. I have a Gross Radio. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, he did it to produce two-way communication systems that utilize these frequencies that have been allocated by the FCC. He sold more than 1,000 units, mostly to farmers in the U.S. Coast Guard. Because, you know, farmers liked them because they, they, they were sitting out in their tractor. They wanted to communicate with each other. So it made a lot of sense for farmers and the, co- the Coast Guard. But it just, I mean, just the general public just didn't get it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they, they they weren't that excited about two-way radios. Then he adapted his two-way radio for one-way cordless remote telephonic signaling. Now, that's another way of saying an electronic pager. Ah. He invented the pager. And he said... He just didn't know that. And so the thing... So this is a... Um, it's a... See, that's a one-way telephonic communication channel, it the is. pager. And so he thought this pager would be really a great device for doctors, you know, to be, you know, be paged. You know, they'd be out, there'd be an emergency, they'd have to come into the hospital. The doctors hated it. He couldn't sell them to the doctors because the doctor says this will ruin their golf game. Oh, my gosh. Think about it. Yeah. The doctors, they're out on the course. They don't want to have somebody, somebody call them. Somebody always wants them. Yeah. But this was back when you, could, when you could actually go into the golf course and you could disconnect so they said they did. So he, he he thought this would be a big seller to, to doctors, and it didn't it didn't really go. Eventually, it was. But Eventually, it was. Yeah. Then, in, in fact, the same technology is used for garage door openers. I mean, essentially, you're paging your yeah. garage door and saying, "Why don't you open up for me?" So you know, it's it's the same wireless technology mm-hmm. used for garage door openers. Then he went, you know, and and he and he had the then he invented the you know the, you know the whole wireless telephone idea. I mean, a walkie-talkie is basically a wireless telephone. Yep. So he went to Bell Labs and he says, you know, this this wireless telephone, this thing, this thing is going to be big. 
And Bell said, well, wait, you know, we got all this wire stretched around the country. We don't, we don't want to undermine our wired infrastructure. We've got the long lines. Um, this wireless thing's not going to go anywhere. So they had no interest in it. He couldn't sell, he couldn't sell the wireless <clears throat> phone to, the, uh, to, to Bell Labs. And he had patents for all of these things. Um, but his patents expired <laughs> before the mobile telephone became popular. Interesting. They expired before pagers were widely accepted. Mm. He used to joke that if he were born 20 years later, he would be as rich as Bill Gates. He probably because, would be. Because his patents would have been in effect. Now, he served as principal engineer of, of, of leading electronic companies uh, such as Sparing Corporation, Westinghouse, Orbital mm. Sciences, and he worked until his death at 82, at, and he died in 2000. He received the IEEE um, Edwin Howard Armstrong Achievement Award, the Medal uh, and Medal, which is 1999. He got the Marconi M- Memorial Gold Medal of Achievement in 1997 and the Presidential Commentation in Telecommunications from Ronald Reagan in 1981. So there you go. Everything you want to know about Alfred J. Gross. He would have been 100 years old today. The founding, or this year. The founding father of wireless communications. I looked up the uh, the walkie-talkie because I wanted to see what it looked like because obviously yeah. this had to be a home-built right. thing. It looked like it had. The pictures aren't great. There was a radio pack and battery that you carried on your back that was like the size of a backpack that you'd walk around with today. Mm-hmm. So, it, but but the one that he made initially for the commercial use was like a like a like a box mm-hmm. that was about six inches on a side. The one at the backpack may have been what they had to communicate to airplanes, where they needed the longer yeah. range. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, there was one other thing that okay. happened. Is that, I forgot. It's not in the notes here. Okay. He actually made a a walkie-talkie, a miniaturized one that went on the wrist. And the guy who did the Dick Tracy comic books came out. He was talking about radio, and he saw this. This model, of, and that became the prototype for the Dick Tracy watch. This guy was 20 years ahead of his he time. He was. 20 he years was. too early. That's right. That's funny. Okay, t- uh, stay tuned. We're going to play the pop quiz in just a minute. Your chance to turn knowledge into free food here on Tech Talk Radio. 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, 1039 FM HD 2. On the web at stratford.edu. And you can watch us do the program. Download the Periscope app to your device. Follow us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. Ready to make a real difference in 2018? A degree in cybersecurity, digital forensics, or networking and telecommunications could help you secure your future as you help secure the world. Stratford University is now enrolling for 2018. Classes start January 8th with career-focused IT degree programs to fit your busy schedule on campus and online. Let Stratford's experienced IT faculty share their industry knowledge and practical solutions to help you succeed in one of today's most 
after fields. With accelerated classes and year-round program starts to help you earn your degree faster. Register today at stratford.edu slash 2018. That's stratford.edu slash 2018, where you'll also find details on Stratford's limited-time $15,000 IT scholarship competition to help you achieve your degree goals. Get complete information now at stratford.edu slash 2018. Stratford University, changing lives one student at a time. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Live from Washington, it's the Stratford University Pop Quiz with Andrew Mitchell, Jim Ross, featuring Mr. Big Voice. With musical guest, the Stratford University Junkyard Band. And your host, Dr. Richard Schertz. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Please, please be seated. I know you're excited. They're, they're behaving themselves. Oh, it's summer and they're tired. I know, they're tired. But even though it's summer... This classroom with airwaves does not have a summer break. Knowledge it never goes, takes a vacation. It goes through the entire summer. That's right. So because it's a classroom with airwaves, you'll receive, you'll have to be tested to see whether you've been listening. And if you get the right answer to the test, which we call the pop quiz, you'll win tickets to fine dining at one of the Stratford University dining rooms. And you'll also get an A-plus for this particular show. Earlier in the show, I talked about Alfred J. Gross. Gross, he's the founding father of wireless communication. He invented the walkie-talkie, citizens' van radio, telephone pager, and cordless telephone. But he loved uh, to talking on the citizen band radio, and he had a particular CB handle. What was that CB handle? If you know the answer to today's question, mm-hmm. this is a great time to pick up your phone and give us a call. If you're dialing from west of the Rockies, it's 877-936-9333. Calling from East of Playa del Shirts, Virginia, it's 877-936-9333. Breaker 19 if you're calling us on your CB radio from Canada. Call us on the wildcard line, 877-936-9333. And of course, as always, the international line is 877-9-3639-333. And, of course, if you're calling from a sailboat on the Chesapeake Bay, you can reach us using Skype. Simply connect to Tech Talk Radio 1, and your call will be forwarded free of charge to the studio. Andrew Mitchell, our adjunct professor for prize distribution and crowd control, is standing by to take your call, so dial now. So this was the year when drone fireworks actually began their showing. Usually we have traditional fireworks during the 4th of July, but there are many western states that have been plagued by fires, and they simply do not want to risk fires by shooting off fireworks. And so they've been using drones, drones with LED lights on them that are all remotely controlled to make all kinds of patterns in the sky. And actually it was done in quite a few of the cities. And, in fact, Travis Air Force Base in Colorado had a great drone show. And you could see that on YouTube video. It was really a lot of fun to watch that. You just, what you want to do, you can, I'll give, I'm going to give a link to it. But if you want to okay. look it up, just go to Travis Air Force Base Drone Fireworks Show. 
and you'll it'll take you right to it. And it's quite nice. It's not a bad idea. I, I have seen some of these drone at the at the Olympics. Remember, they had at their at the at the beginning oh, that's ceremony. Right, yeah. they, they, IBM had all these drones doing all sorts of things in the sky, different patterns and everything at, at the the recent Olympics in uh, South Korea. So it's using the same technology, and it's actually a good idea. Then I guess you just have loudspeakers do booms to make it. You know, seem be, like to fireworks. make it seem like fireworks because if, if it's just silent, it doesn't seem like fireworks. But you know, they'd have to do that. Just think of how many fingers that that'll save. That's oh, that is definitely well. Hold it, drones do have propellers. propellers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. A, there's, there's, do you, now, do you need more than one drone to do this? Hundreds, hundreds, literally hundreds. So it's not cheap because every drone is a different color. So as it as as the fireworks, you know, like they explode and you get that starburst. The starburst is made up of hundreds of drones flying uh, away from each other, with with LEDs lit. So yeah, it's not you know. So you might have a thousand drones, and and then the you know, and, and then you got to worry about the, how long the batteries last. You know, and they all come crashing down into the crowd. So yeah, so you uh, so you know, so the show can't be more than say twenty minutes because mm-hmm. that's probably about all the drones can stay up on their on one battery charge. Okay, is your smartphone spying on you? Now there are. You know, we load all these popular apps, and, and, you know, people install apps on their phone, and it says, oh, can we use the microphone? Can we use the camera? And if you just go through and, and do the default settings, you give the app permission to use the camera, use the microphone, use, use whatever it wants. And too many people just do that, with you know, without actually looking at anything. So these guys at Northeastern University, they, a couple of students, decided to study this. They wanted to investigate, because there's this urban legend that phones are secretly recording all of our conversations and selling that information to companies so that they can pepper you with targeted ads. This is like an urban legend. They want to see, is that urban legend true? Now, this is what was interesting. They they looked at 17,000 apps, and they found that not a single app was actually recording conversations. But what they did find, and so the apps will say, no, we're not recording your conversations. But they did find that the apps were taking screenshots and sending the screenshots to somebody. What? And the screenshots could include usernames and passwords, anything that was on the screen. That's crazy. Yeah. And so they, uh, you know, they were surprised at that, you know, because they, they were expecting to see the use of the microphone. Nope, the microphone wasn't used in, in even once out of the 17,000 apps. And um, and they found, even though there were no audio links and not a single app activated the microphone, however, they were automatically taking screenshots. And so there was one app that actually was took, took a lot of screenshots. It was the GoPuff Fast Food Delivery Service. And it sent, screensh- and it sent, and it sent screenshots to AppSea, the data, data analytics firm for mobile devices. And, um, and you know, what, why would this fast food delivery service want that? So... I think what you want to do is you just want to be mindful of what of what apps you have. I think there's going to be more to this story, and uh, hopefully there's going to be something done about apps you that stumb- are spying on you. You stumbled onto something. Oh, my God. GoPuff is in Washington, D.C. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, fast, free delivery, convenience on wheels. Uh, uh, this is nuts. Uh, what, uh, now, yeah, they, they serve <laughs> the area where this radio station is. <laughs> Now the thing is, they when they were notified of this, they then instead of getting rid of the screenshots, 
they just put a notification when you install the app that says they will be sending up screenshots, and they're still doing it. Interesting. So there you go. So, so I, I think there's going to be more to this story as it unfolds. Okay. This 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 sounds like. <laughs> uh, see, you got me. You got me going with this. Go, go so GoPuff is a store <laughs> at thirty four hundred one K Street. Huh. I think we have to we we'll have to check out GoPuff one of these well, days. We'll, we'll have we'll have to check that. Sorry, out. sorry, you got me going here. Okay, so I, I'm sure it won't surprise you, Doc, to know that nobody has guessed the answer. Nobody's so, guessed the answer. So why don't you ask CB. the question, and okay. I'm going to come up with an ancillary question. Okay, Alfred J. Gross, uh, for father of wireless communication, he loves CB, and he had a handle. He had a CB handle. And we want to know what that handle was, and it, it, it actually meant something that, okay. we, that we talked about. And that's the other thing. Okay, yeah. either tell us the handle or yeah. tell us what the handle meant. Yeah. Okay. Tell All us right. what the handle meant. We tell you what. Yeah. Let's take a break here okay, and let good. our brains cool down. It's Saturday morning, and this is Tech Talk Radio on 1500 AM, 103.5 FM HD 2, 103.9 FM HD 2. If you'd like to see us do the show, all you have to do is download the Periscope app to your device and follow us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. Ready to make a real difference in 2018? A degree in cybersecurity, digital forensics, or networking and telecommunications could help you secure your future as you help secure the world. Stratford University is now enrolling for 2018. Classes start January 8th with career-focused IT degree programs to fit your busy schedule on campus and online. Let Stratford's experienced IT faculty share their industry knowledge and practical solutions to help you succeed in one of today's most sought-after fields with accelerated classes and year-round program starts to help you earn your degree faster. Register today at stratford.edu slash 2018. That's stratford.edu slash 2018, where you'll also find details on Stratford's limited-time $15,000 IT scholarship competition to help you achieve your degree goals. Get complete information now at stratford.edu slash 2018. Stratford University, changing lives one student at a time. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. And we still don't have an answer to the question. Go figure. So we're going to ask it one more time, and if nobody answers, then the prize goes back into the hopper. Goes back up. Yes, uh, we're early in this show. Alfred J. Gross, of course, father of wireless communication. He loved being on the CB, and he had a handle while he was uh, operating his uh, CB radio. It's, he loved that handle. You can either tell us what the handle was or what the handle means. It's another word. that right. uh, it's, uh, The handle came from something that has a p- particular so meaning. It's multiple guess. Multiple guess, yes. All right. Now, March forward. Elon Musk is sending his... Boring aid from this company, boring that you know bores. And tunnels. it's not that they're not interesting. That's right. That's right. To the, to help rescue the team trapped in the cave in Thailand. Now he offered his expertise to help the rescue the boys, the schoolboys that have been this. They've been trapped for like two weeks. Yeah. And it's going to be a critical time because they're losing oxygen and uh, the mons and the the rains are beginning to start again. They've been already in there for ten days. 
Now we expect more heavy rains, and the passages are too narrow to pass wearing scuba tanks. You've got to take the scuba tanks off. You can't have them on your back. The, I bought that would be a tough. Yeah, and that, you've done scuba diving, haven't I've you? I've done scuba diving, but I'll tell you, I, I've scuba dived under coral reefs uh, under coral in the Caribbean, and there are some fairly small openings, but but they're going to small openings that are like, like you know, really long. I I, I don't know if I could do that, but do you it know would how, be tough. Do you know how if they if they were to bore to these people, how 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 deeply how big of a bore is this going to be? How deep is it? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. I'm not really too sure. They they they've got to find a way to get down to them. They. Uh, I mean, one diver died. Yeah. Because the 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 thing is, that the, this run to go to get to, to dive back to them, it, it's, it takes three hours to get back there, and that is a long dive, three hours underwater. I don't know how they've got enough oxygen for that. Mm. So the employees of the SpaceX and the boring companies are on their way to Thailand to offer assistance. Now the boring company is set uh, to set up uh, to drill traffic tunnels. They're set up the. They're taking their, they're seeing whether their equipment could help bore a, 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 another entry into the cave. They're looking at that. They're also going to try to employ ground penetrating radars in order to, uh, in order to um, uh, see if they can see other entry level, other uh, other cave areas where they could go through. They're also going to bring over air pumps to pump more air in there to try to solve the to try to solve the problem. Now, Musk thinks that he can build an inflatable Kevlar tube to help re- rescue the kids. So the idea is that the is that the uh, divers would dive into the cave through the water, dragging the Kevlar tube there, and then they would pump the Kevlar tube up with air, and it would form a tunnel. Huh. And then they would put one of the kids into the Kevlar tube, close the back of it, and would crawl out through the tunnel under the water, be, just being able to breathe. So that's what he's going to try to do. So that's sort of like his, um, you know, his... That's his... That's, that's, seem, that's, that actually is not a bad idea. Doesn't seem like they have many other ideas. That's right. Okay. Guess what? Whoa. Guess what? We've we, got have a, some, we, have, we've got we have somebody. We have a victim. We have yes. a victim, yes. All right. Th- th- we may have to put this up to the uh, the committee for approval on the answer, right. but okay. This is Thomas call- calling us from Bowie, Maryland. Dr. Shirts, ask the question, please. Yes, early in the show, talking about Alfred J. Gross. He, of course, father of wireless communication. What was his handle? What was his CB handle? Or what did his CB handle mean? His CB handle meant um, when, a, like, a mechanic doesn't know what something is, and he says, we've got to replace your anacanoreostat. Some, some names refer to that, is, that correct. is correct. That is correct. And once again, we've managed to ask an essay That's question. Right. Thomas, thank you for listening. Liebel Fetzer. Thanks for bailing us out. Hang on. We're going to send you back to Andrew, and he'll give you your prize. All right, Doc, let's just continue on. Okay. The Splinternet is here to stay. Now, we got the Internet, and now somebody came up with this the clever name, the Splinternet, because it's now being splintered up with various rules and regulations. Now, we call the Internet, of course, the World Wide Web, since it's uh, commercialization, and generally contents available to everyone uh, living in all but author- authoritarian societies. In other words, in the, you know, all of the democratic uh, countries just allow information to flow, to flow freely. And in certain uh, other countries where they've got dictators, they block the flow of information. But pending lawsuits and sweeping new international regulations are going to rewrite the rules of business. 
And each and in these areas, we've got different operating rules. They're calling the different splinters of the Internet or the splinternet. That's sort of the new buzzword. When the Internet shifted from academia and government to the private sector in the 1990s, it just propagated freely. And it was and it was just it wasn't regulated like a utility, it just was unregulated. But now we've got a whole series of lawsuits that are pending worldwide. For instance, in Germany, social media sites that don't remove obviously, obviously illegal posts could be fined up to 50 million Deutschmarks per offense. That's that's pretty tough. Yeah. In Canada, this Canada Supreme Court ruled that Google must scrub search results of pirated products such as movies. The Europe, Europe's General Data Protection Regulation is a broad set of rules giving European Union citizens more control over their data. Anyone doing business in the EU must now comply with GDPR. And most recently, the Supreme Court in the U.S. decided that um, online retailers like Wayfair and Overstock are subject to sales tax in every state, even if they don't have a presence. So what's happening is countries and are coming up with laws to regulate the Internet. And it's becoming increasingly difficult for, you know, large companies that operate on a global basis to, you know, to, to meet all these various rules. And so we're now calling it the time of the splinter net. Mm. I think it's not a good not a no. good not a good thing for us all. IBM is sending a real robot into space, a real-life HAL to the International Space Station. You remember HAL in the movie 2001? Yes. And HAL, the, the name HAL came from IBM. You just shift IBM by one letter. Is you, that where? And, I didn't know get, that. You get, you get HAL, like H-I-A-B-L-M. Uh-huh. You just shift it one letter down. Wow. So you see, HAL was really one letter below IBM. That's interesting. Okay, that's where Halk and that and so now the the new unit the the new uh, robot is called Simone, which stands for Crew Interactive Mobile Companion. I like Hal better. Hal, I like better too. It'll be the first ever flying autonomous artificial intelligence based robot in the International Space Station. It's basically a round basketball shape. <laughs> They it's just, like a Roomba. That just floats around the compartment. It get, you know, it, it, I don't know how it propels itself, but it moves around. It follows, it, you know, it follows the astronauts. So I guess it, has a little, it must have a little gas bu- bu- bursts or something to, so it can move around. <laughs> gas bursts. So it's it, methane powered. So, it, so it's actually yeah, methane powered. So it, so this ball just sort of, this this basketball just kind of follows the astronauts around in the crew. Now it's um, it's now uh, Simone was inspired by the comic book character from the 1940s and 1950s, Captain Future. Mm. And so they had similar uh, similar items in Captain Future. It was developed in conjunction with the European Aerospace Company, Airbus. Simone's role in the IOS is to assist German astronauts and the ISS commander Alexander Gerst on his mission to carry out scientific work, and, and also to assist with experiments and even act as a flying webcam while keeping its data secure and private. Interesting. Well, well Judy, good luck with Judy, that. Judy would like to hear that. Yes. Yes. Now, it's 11 pounds. Now, it only speaks English. But there's hope that in the future, it's soft, through software updates, it can speak different languages. 
It needs Rosetta Stone. Yeah, now what it's going to do, it's actually powered by the IBM Watson, uh, you know, cloud computing platform. And so whenever you talk to it, it has to send information down to Watson, get the cal- get the processing done, and then it sends it back up. And so initially the latency, because it was always communicating with the uh, IBM Watson cloud, the latency was running about, um, uh, was running, uh, you know, about eight seconds. And they got it down to two seconds. And two seconds is, is adequate. I mean, even if you deal with Amazon Echo, you talk to uh, Alexa, there's, there's about a second latency because it's got to go back to the Amazon to, to, to do the speech. Now, Simone will autonomously navigate through the ISS, follow astronauts whenever they want them. The battery lasts for two hours, and, it's, and it just plugs in. auto. When it gets low, it just flies over, plugs in, and charges up like the Roomba. Hmm. Now, Simone's, <laughs> it's a Roomba for outer space. That, it's, a, it's a Roomba for outer space. Now, Simone is actually being used on Earth in about 20 industries, including healthcare, where it's used to support doctors and nurses and patients. So they say, hey, you know, they, they, you know, they ask that something's coming up. The doctor can ask for advice from Simone, and it, and it goes back to the cloud and gives the answer. So huh. that'll be interesting. I hope Simone does not take over the International Space Station like Hal tried to take over the space yeah, station in ugly. 2001. It could be an ugly, ugly event. Mm-hmm. Now, Mark Zuckerberg is now the third richest person in the world. Yeah. That's really, it seems like it's not, doesn't seem right, actually. Mm-hmm. You look at look at old Mark. Now, the Facebook CEO jumped ahead on Friday. He has got a net worth of $81 billion, calculated according to Bloomberg. That puts him about $373 million ahead of Warren Buffett, who used to be the number three guy. And, uh, and of course, Warren Buffett is, Buffett is CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, Zuckerberg claimed the number three spot because Facebook shares rose 2.4%. Now, the stock has spiked about 15% this year. Now, for the first time, the three richest people alive are all tech titans, tech guys. The number one guy of, uh, with $141 billion is Jeff Bezos. The number two guy is Bill Gates. He's, uh, and the number three guy, of course, is uh, Zuckerberg. First time with tech guys at the top, but it makes sense because tech talk because tech uh, stocks have really been moving up recently. Netflix more than doubled in the last year. Amazon surged forty one percent over the last year. Apple's up eleven percent. Google's gained nine percent. In fact, Warren Buffett now believes in tech stocks. Like he recently bought seventy five million shares of Apple stock during the first three months of the year. He bought one hundred and sixty five million shares a couple of years ago. He didn't get into Apple until two years ago because he didn't think tech was real. But now he's into it, and it is real. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. And make certain to check out the programs that Stratford offers. Go to stratford.edu. Check out those programs in healthcare, nursing, IT, cybersecurity, culinary arts, business. And tell them that you heard about those programs on Tech Talk Radio. Tech Talk Radio is sponsored by Stratford University. For more information on courses at Stratford University, call 1-800-444-0804. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk Radio Online.